0: This podcast has an unapologetic love of space, so when the opportunity to check out the Kennedy Space Center at Cape Canaveral rolled around, I didn't miss it, and I'm going to tell you all about it. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the benefit of a doubt podcast. I'm your host Adam Dowd, and this week we're taking a look at the Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral, Florida. I vacationed in Florida recently, and while I was there, I made sure to go see where the magic happens. You see, the Kennedy Space Center is not only a sort of museum for the NASA space program, but it's also a working spaceport. Cape Canaveral is where you see rockets launched into space, and the Kennedy Space Center is like right there. While at the center, I got to see the Atlanta Space Shuttle just about every rocket used to ever launch anything up into the air by NASA, and some of the buildings where NASA builds its spaceships. It's pretty awesome, so Cliff and I took a few minutes to talk about it. Plus, we checked back in with Viper with three Ys, asking the question, what kind of gear do you need to get started in this business? He has a surprising answer that you won't want to miss, and we'll get to all of that. But first, we have to get to the news of the week. (music) Years ago, Google was out there pimping the Pixel 4 pretty hard, and it had to pimp it hard because the Pixel 4 was not a good phone. Well, now Google is being sued for radio ads that it bought during that time, but it's not so much that it bought the ads so much as w- what they paid Texan radio DJs to say about the Pixel 4. According to the suit, Google gave hosts scripted ad reads that said, "Quote, I've been taking studio-like photos of everything, like my son's football game, a meteor shower, a rare spotted owl that landed in my backyard." And I'm not sure what's more unbelievable in Texas, that DJs were actually taking these photos or that the owl wasn't shot by a neighbor as soon as it landed. Anyway, according to the suit, Google did not provide samples to the DJs who ran the ads so they could presumably take those studio-like shots of their dead owls until iHeartRadio tried to buy phones for the DJs so they wouldn't be, you know, lying to millions of people on the air 2,405 times. iHeartRadio flat out told Google that the ads were in violation of the Texas Deceptive Trade Practices Consumer Protection Act or the... And Texas clearly needs to work more on their acronyms. Despite the warning, Google pushed the ads through 2,400 times, and if they lose this suit, which it probably will, Google will be on the hook for $10,000 for each one of the 2,405 violations or... $25,050,000, also known to Google as beer money. The thing is, there's no way Google sold $24 million in Pixel 4s in Texas. So overall, this was a bad decision. And for the record, Google PR, literally no one says studio-like photos. Nobody. So not only was that not a smart thing to do, but it wasn't the best sales pitch in the first place. Keep working on that. The James Webb Telescope lifted off on Christmas Day of last year and has been traveling ever since. Its destination and permanent home is at L2, which is the second Sun-Earth Lagrange point. A Lagrange point, as far as I understand it, is a point in space that is gravitationally stable, and what I think that means is that it's a point where the Earth's gravity and the Sun's gravity are both pulling on it equally, so Basically, it stays in place. That in and of itself is super cool. And speaking of super cool, now that the telescope is in place, it's going to begin the process of cooling down and turning on its scientific instruments so that it can start, you know, telescoping stuff. Leading up to today, the telescope had already begun deploying the 18 hexagonal segments of its primary mirror, a process which Space.com describes as, quote, anxiety-inducing, for it includes hundreds of potential single-point failures that each could spell disaster for Webb. So... Yeah, that's anxiety-inducing for sure. Overall, it'll take weeks for everything to come online, but I can't wait to start seeing the images coming through. And since this is an audio podcast, stay tuned to my Twitter and Instagram so I can share them with y'all. Speaking of space, you may be wondering where things stand between SpaceX and Blue Origin in the race to be the best private space company. I have my favorite, as I'm sure you all know. Jeff Bezos' space dick camp is cute and all, but Elon Musk is out there getting things done. Now, that being said, I did recently watch a video detailing William Shatner's space dick ride, and he found it to be quite profound and... Actually, a little disturbing, calling the sky a blue blanket that surrounds the Earth and protects it from the death in space. Yikes! Anyway, you might have your favorite as well, and I'm fine if you think Blue Origin is doing a better job, or as this Slash Gear article calls it, winning, you do you. But to help you decide, SlashGear put together a comprehensive timeline-slash-history of both companies and their significant accomplishments that they've made along the way. It's a really great read, and I highly recommend you hit it up in the show notes in our newsletter or at BenefitofADoubt.com. I won't spoil anything, but Cassidy Ward, who wrote the article, does seem to have a favorite, and they seem to be very, very intelligent. Speaking of Elon Musk, a 19-year-old built a Twitter bot that tracks where Elon Musk's private plane is. The Twitter account is known as @ElonJet, and it uses data publicly available to track the tail number of Elon Musk's jet to see where it takes off from and where the flight plan says it's headed. It's actually kind of neat, and Musk isn't the only one Jack Sweeney, the 19-year-old in question, tracks. Other people include Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, but Elon is the one who actually reached out to him to ask him to take it down. Musk sees the account as a security risk and offered $5,000 to take the account down. Sweeney, the ever-enterprising young lad, asked Elon, the world's richest man, or is he still the richest man? Anyway, top three. Sweeney asked him to add another zero to that figure, DMing, quote, Any chance to up that to 50K? It would be great support in college and would possibly allow me to get a car, maybe even a Model 3. Whoa, the balls on this kid. I love it. Well played. So far, Elon hasn't paid him anything, but Sweeney doesn't regret anything. He looks up to Musk and is overjoyed to simply have had a conversation with him, and I got to admit, yeah, that's pretty cool. Other benefits have come from creating the bot, including learning how to code a bot in the first place, and even scoring a part-time job with Uber jets. But there's another side to the story. You see, Musk's jet is on the FAA block list, which is supposed to remove the whereabouts of his jet from from publicly disclosed information. But the bots don't pull from that list. Rather, it uses real-time data sent by the plane's transponder to determine its present location, whether it's taking off or landing, and compares the plane's altitude and location to anonymized flight plans published by another website. Just like that, you have an anonymized flight plan, which just goes to show that anonymized data isn't. And that's the lesson we should learn here. Not that you should cyberstalk your favorite celebrities in order to get them to offer you money. At least I think that's not the lesson we should be taking from this, except, no, 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 that's definitely not the lesson. It's definitely the first thing. What are you even talking about cyberstalking? I have no idea what you're even talking about cyberstalking. <laughs> Jeez. <sighs> this week saw the launch of the Huawei P50 Pro and the P50 Pocket, and dear listener... Huawei is in trouble with a capital USA. The P50 Pro and P50 Pocket both launched without Google services and more notably, without 5G. It seems Huawei doesn't have the parts it needs to make 5G modems for its phone since Uncle Sam pinched off its supply chain, and that's no bueno. The P50 Pocket is Huawei's first clamshell foldable, and it packs a circular camera housing on the outside and a circular exterior screen for notifications and the like. Meanwhile, the P50 Pro already launched in China, but now it's getting a global minus-the-USA launch, shipping with EMUI 12 instead of Harmony OS. There's still no Google services, and on the back of this phone has a dual circular camera housing setup with a 50-megapixel main camera, a 40-megapixel monochrome sensor, and a 13-megapixel wide camera and a 64-megapixel Periscope 3.5x zoom camera. Neither of these phones will ever sniff U.S. shores, but both of these phones are potentially neat. Of course, being hobbled without Google services as they are, they won't make much of a dent outside of China iPhones will reportedly start accepting contactless payments as a built-in feature in the not-too-distant future. What that means is you'll be able to use your iPhone as a point-of-sale terminal and others will be able to use Apple Pay or Google Pay or an NFC credit card to send you money. Personally, I think this is pretty cool. I picked up a square reader to do just this when my son was in the Cub Scouts selling popcorn. Nothing caused a person's face to drop more quickly when they said, OMG, I would totally buy popcorn from you, but I don't have any cash. And you're all like, that's okay, I take Apple Pay. Made more than a few sales that way, I'm proud to say Anyway, Apple recently brought a contactless payment company called MobiWave in 2020, and people have been anticipating this capability for months now. According to the Verge article, MobiWave worked with Samsung on the same ability that rolled out to Samsung phones, but I'll be honest, I knew nothing about it. All the same, that's pretty cool, and we hope to see the same capability on iPhones in the not-too-distant future, so more and more Cub Scouts can sell popcorn to the dirty, dirty liars that answer their doors. Another feature coming to the iPhone is the ability to unlock your phone using Face ID while wearing a mask. Face ID will read the features of your face only from your eyes, which will result in a less secure but far more convenient solution to unlocking your phone during, you know, a pandemic with no Apple Watch needed. Only took two years, and the burn of the month and possibly the year goes to editor-in-chief of Android Central, Jeremy Johnson, who tweeted, quote, You know what else works with a mask? A fingerprint reader. Oh, I seriously LOL'd hard at that one. But seriously, what took so long? I can't imagine the programming was that hard, but then again, I'm not a programmer, nor do I play one on TV, but come on. My only guess is that Apple was hoping to drive some Apple Watch sales prior to launching this new feature or they just didn't think of it until now. Either way, it's dropping the ball and not very cool, Apple. P.S. As I write this, I'm rapidly approaching the six-month mark, which shifts me back to Android, so in a few weeks, that won't be my problem anymore. Except I'll have to stop using the Apple Watch, and I am not looking forward to that. What was I saying? Oh, right, you can unlock your iPhone while wearing a mask, as soon as the beta comes to the public, which should be just in time for WWDC. This next story is a bit of a quickie, but musical artist Neil Young came out this week calling for Spotify to either remove Joe Rogan from its platform or remove Neil Young's music. It seems that Joe Rogan has been crawling even deeper into the crazy conspiracy hall and spouting more and more misinformation about a variety of subjects, not the least of which is vaccines and their benefits. Well, it seems Neil Young is taking a stand against Joe Rogan, and Spotify really respected his stance. So Spotify removed Neil Young from the platform and just wholly backfiring Batman. Now, I don't blame Spotify for removing Neil Young. Ironically, Neil Young is not young at all, and most of his music attracts folks of, uh... certain age, whereas Joe Rogan attracts a younger, arguably more stupid demographic, and nothing is as valuable to advertisers as extreme gullibility. So Joe Rogan is a great fit on Spotify's platform because he doesn't mind calling himself a liberal while at the same time stomp dancing on every value that makes liberals liberals, thereby pissing off the liberals who listen to him just so they can get even more pissed off and, you know, more liberal. And that's how Joe Rogan's. So literally out with the old and in with the 100 million dollars and that's how the saying goes right? I'm being told that's not how the saying goes but I'm pretty sure that's how they say it at Spotify and finally Reddit can be such a treasure at times and this entry comes to us from the Reddit thread Explain It Like I'm 5 where they ask the question what is the deal with those little black dots that surround a windshield and other windows in cars? The answer is surprising and this is my PSA to you Those little black dots are called frits, and their function is basically to shield the glue that holds the windshield in place under a solid black strip. The black dots then serve as heat dissipators for when the car finds itself in direct sunlight. Because when you're under direct sunlight... Black things and not black things heat up at different rates. And if that difference is too great, the glass tends to shear or break. The little black dots are there to disperse the heating up part so the window can heat up more uniformly and not break. And it really makes me wonder how many windshields the engineers went through before they figured that out. But that, dear listeners, is not the end of the story because also on Reddit, there is a subreddit called r slash Fritz, which is dedicated to photos of those Fritz and how engineers can be creative at times when putting those on windshields. It's actually really clever. And here's one more fun fact for you: Fritz, F R I T S, is an acceptable word in Wordle and a decent starting word since it has R S and T in it. I'm not saying it's going to be my starting word. That's usually going to be stare because it has R, S, T, and E in it. But anyway, now you know my secret to Wordle. 18 days and counting, baby. You may be listening to this podcast and asking yourself, gosh, this seems so easy. Why don't I just do this for myself? And just so you know, you're absolutely wrong. But, yeah, go ahead and give it a shot because, as I've said in so many promotional emails, I have a podcast, but then again... Who doesn't? So I thought you might be interested to know how a tech creator can go about getting started in the tech creator industry. And we're going to focus specifically, there's a lot of things you need to do, but my guest today and I are going to focus a little bit on the gear that you might need to get started in the tech industry. My guest is a rising star in the tech space going from several YouTube channels and almost nightly live streams all the way up to hosting VidSummit at the end of September in Los Angeles. Viper with Three Ys, thank you for coming on to the podcast, and let's talk about some gear, shall we?
1: Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Appreciate you having me.
0: I appreciate you uh sitting down for this uh, for this segment with me. This is just going to be a short little segment i'm calling it pulling back the curtain so people can kind of get a look behind at the wizard behind the scenes. So I wanted to talk a little bit about gear now uh, you and I are in tangentially similar industries i'm more of a podcaster you're more of a YouTube creator. I know one of your channels you call it the 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 Viper podcast, but it's really more of like a video cast and i'm you know, anal enough that I make a distinction between those two things. But essentially, we're both podcasters, but you do a lot of video content as well. So if someone wanted to get started just by creating some content, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a video cast, let's stick with your personal, like your specialty. Um, So video content, like what does somebody need in order to, you know, get started and be taken seriously?
1: I'm glad you asked this, Adam, because actually, this is a question that we get a lot as creators. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think that they need big budget Hollywood type equipment just to start out. And that's just simply not true. 8K RED cameras are GTFO, bro. Seriously, like, get out of here with that. No, if you have a smartphone, you literally have all you need to get started. All you need is your smartphone. If you have a camera or whatever, that's fine. But you don't really need a a dedicated camera for this. Just pull out your smartphone. Hit the record button because all these smartphones have video cameras on them these days. So mm-hmm. use your smartphone until you get a following and you can start, like, actually earning money to justify buying more expensive equipment. It didn't do it that way. But absolutely yeah. anybody, and I do mean anybody, can start with a smartphone and go from there.
0: Okay. Nice. So, like... Um- what kind what smartphone would you recommend if someone were to like let's let's say that's going to be their big first investment like you know because th- maybe they're running some you know off the shelf lg that their mom bought them six years ago like what if they, if they were going to invest in a smartphone today what smartphone would you recommend i mean you're kind of an apple guy so maybe that's the way you're gonna go but like what what, what let's what's your uh, what's your poison there
1: You know, like, all of these smartphones have amazing cameras on the back, so you really can't Mm -hmm. go wrong with whatever smartphone you pick uh, these days. I would say if you have a MacBook, then an iPhone will be the easiest thing because you can transfer the files easily from an iPhone to a MacBook via AirDrop, so that's just a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Maybe if you have a PC or if you have have a PC or something, maybe you go Android because then it's easier to, like, plug your phone in directly and then transfer files via an Android. But, again, you really can't go wrong no matter what phone you choose today because they all have world-class cameras on the back. So it's basically at that, at that point, in personal preference.
2: Okay.
0: All right. Uh, what other type of gear do you think someone might want to pick up if they wanted to get started? I'm thinking off the top of my head, like tripod, um, monopod, something nope. like that. Nope. No? no, no, no. Okay.
1: No. All right. I need y'all to listen to the sound of my voice if you're a brand new creator. The first gear that you should actually make a serious investment in is your audio. You need okay. an external microphone because you don't want to be using the internal mic to, to do your audio. Although the iPhones and most phones have decent internal microphones. No, 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 no. You need to buy okay. a dedicated microphone to get that crispy audio. It doesn't have to be the most expensive microphone either. Hell, you can get one for like 50 bucks. You can get a lapel mic. You can get a mm-hmm. condenser. You can get a dynamic mic. But a microphone should be your serious first investment as a new creator for sure.
0: Okay. I would also add to that by saying that in addition to having a microphone, you should put some really serious thought into quiet environments where you can record yourself. Because, you know, as as you and I had to deal with not too long ago, we had barking dogs in the background. And if you know, if you've got, uh, if you're trying to put together a video and you've got, you know, I don't know, cats meowing and fighting behind you or, you know, kids, you know, yelling at each other, stuff like that. Like that can be in in my world, that can be very off putting. So I'm not sure. I'm sure you probably have a similar opinion.
1: Yeah. um, The thing about audio is that is the most important part of video is audio. Uh, That sounds crazy because you're talking about video, but literally audio is the most important part. People can watch bad video with good audio. But if you have mm-hmm. amazing video with terrible audio, they're not watching. They're clicking off. So you need yeah, to you the, need to lock that audio down.
0: They cannot hear you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one thing that I would say, you know, especially when it comes to, like, quiet environments and audio is look into your local um, – look into your, what resources you might have available locally. Here in Streamwood, which is the suburb that I live in, um, our local library actually has a podcast studio that you can actually rent out. And they've got computers and you can, you know, connect to a cloud account. You can bring in a wow. USB drive. They've got microphones. The The one thing they don't have is a video studio, which I was a little disappointed on. Like they don't have green screens and stuff like that. But they actually do have a podcast studio that you can use. I've actually recorded podcasts there.
1: That is pretty awesome.
0: Wow. It is. It is so um and so you know definitely take a look at what resources that you might have available in your area uh if someone wanted to like what what platform do you think is going to be the best to distributing content and getting yourself found slash heard like how how would you go about promoting like a new a new creation that uh someone wanted to uh put out there
1: All right. Since we're talking about primarily video, I would say probably YouTube is still the best platform just because of the organic reach that your video can get. The YouTube Mm -hmm. algorithm is normally pretty good at finding the right audience for your content. So I would say YouTube is still the best platform to do that.
0: Okay. Any uh, any recommendations like once you uh, uh, would you recommend anything like uh, like an Instagram or a Reels or anything like that? What, What are your feelings there?
1: I would probably recommend TikTok over Instagram Reels really, to be honest with you because things like people okay. are blowing up on TikTok all the time. So
0: Okay. All right, that's cool. That's cool. Now you work for VidIQ, yes. which is a platform that is kind of designed to help video creators. What just uh let's uh, let's pimp VidIQ for just a little bit. What is uh what does VidIQ do for uh, a new creator that can help them out?
1: Oh man, VidIQ is an amazing set of tools that new creators can use or any creator for that matter can use to help them understand and grow on YouTube. I mean, we have all types of tools in vidIQ and we just launched an, A- an uh, AI tool called Daily Ideas where the AI will go and analyze the content that you've done in the past. And it will also analyze the content that your other uh, other creators that are in your niche have done. And it will okay. suggest ideas to you every single day. Uh, the vidIQ plan that I have, the AI generates 50 new ideas every single day for me to create content about. And it even gives like a view prediction. So it can like predict how many or how well a video might do based off the idea that it generates. So the AI wow. is crazy. And the cool thing about VidIQ is that even though this is a new product that we just launched, you can absolutely try it out for free. No monetary obligation. You can try it out for free and see if it's something that you can rock with. But besides the new AI tool, we got keyword search rankings, we got competitor uh trend alerts, things like that. Um, all sorts of different tools that we have here at vidIQ that new creators and even established creators can use to help grow on YouTube. So definitely check out vidIQ if you have not already.
0: Very cool. Very. That's, that sounds neat. like 50 new suggestions every day. Every day for new cre- content that you can create. Now, personally, I'm a day job podcast on the weekend kind of guy. So, like, I think that would be a little bit overkill for me. Sitting trying to sit down with 250 ideas at the end of uh, at the end of a work week. <laughs> but um, that that's 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 compelling. I mean, and especially since you know, from what I've heard, the YouTube the youtube algorithm gods really like to have daily content is is that right that that's kind of like what works for them
1: right i mean if you i mean here's the thing if you're just starting out as a new, uh, new creator i would not recommend posting daily it's kind of crazy and the thing about it is your consistency is a lot more important than your frequency so okay. you need to figure out how many times a week you can upload a video that fits in with your lifestyle and be able to do that on a consistent basis because that is going to help you Over the longer period of time, they're trying to get videos out every single day. And then at some point, you might burn out because it's a pace that you can't. It's unrealistic. Only the the most dedicated, hardcore, crazy people will post daily and keep that up. (laughs) So as a new creator, I do not recommend trying to post daily. Not at all
0: okay speaking of which how's your daily how's your daily podcast going there <laughs>
1: uh, i do not have a daily podcast there you go <laughs>
0: i know uh no you you actually do like you you've i've i've seen you do like three or four live streams in a week so yeah i mean it's not crazy to, i mean it's
1: not back at, uh i mean back in um oh, back in uh, August i went yeah. live every single day for hmm. for the whole entire month of august
0: Throughout the entire month of August, I missed that. I mean, I didn't obviously miss all of it, but I I missed the fact that you did it throughout the entire month. Well, that's kind of impressive. So, and that was back when you still had a day job. So that's. uh, I mean, you actually do have a day job now at VidIQ. So, but it's uh, your day job is a little bit more related to what your what your content creation is like. So, um, so and by the way, congratulations on the new gig. It's very well deserved. And congratulations on the uh, Vid the Vid Summit. Um, hosting, I think that's going to be pretty amazing for you. So, um, yeah. anyway, uh, Viper, I wanted to thank you for coming on and chatting with us about, you know, new creators. Uh, you know, consistency over frequency. Love that. Pick up your phone and start recording. Love that. Get a an audio um, an external audio recorder so you can have quality audio. Because if you have crappy audio, no one's going to watch. I, man, you are like preaching of the choir here so very, thanks very much for coming on and thank you for your insights and thanks for telling us about vidIQ this podcast not brought to you by vidIQ <laughs>
1: hey Adam I appreciate you man thank you
0: Hello and welcome to the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Our top story for the evening, our full review and or I should say my full review of the Kennedy Space Center, which is uh, basically kind of like a like a NASA museum basically over by Cape Canaveral and they also happen to launch rockets there on occasion. So, when I was on uh, my recent vacation to Florida, we took a day, my birthday, to travel over to the Kennedy Space Center and we had ourselves a hell of good time. So, joining me to discuss the Kennedy Space Center is fellow space nerd, even though he doesn't like space. Cliff Thomas, how you doing, Cliff? I don't like space. I don't know if you like space or
2: not. I was I, just being funny. I love some. I loves
0: me some space. I was just being funny. So, okay. interestingly enough, um, and this is coincidental, but one of the news stories I came across today was Slash Gear breaking down a comparison between SpaceX and Blue Origin today. I don't know if you saw that. But I did not. It's uh, it's a good piece, so that will be <laughs> in the news. Uh, that will have been in the news when you are listening to this, and that's kind of how that works. So my family and I went to the Kennedy Space Center, which is uh, where they launch rockets from Cape Canaveral, but there's also like kind of like a space museum there where they have like Uh, Hall of Heroes um, uh, Hall of Legends I think is what they call it for like you know past uh, NASA greats and uh and astronauts and stuff like that they've got a rocket garden where they've got like most of the rockets that nasa has ever used like standing up in this garden and you can just like walk up and like look up and like i did a 360 degree photo inside the rocket garden which is fun maybe i'll put a link in the show notes for that uh and they've got like interactive exhibits they've got like a children's area and well we'll we'll get to what they have because that's kind of the point um now I think with any review, you should start off with your first impressions. And the first impressions that I had of the of the NASA Kennedy Space Center was the cost of admission, which is not insignificant. Uh, for my family, I don't remember what the total was, but it's uh, the cost of admission to get into the door is $57 per adult. And an adult is anyone from I think like twelve and up, so my fifteen year old son was considered an adult, oh, wow. and it was forty seven dollars for kids, so it's not like it's a huge price break there um so I mean that's on the high side for a museum I mean you know, especially one that's funded by the government. <laughs> you, this, you know,
2: I know NASA's um, hard up, but goodness,
0: mm seriously I mean it's like it's it's no joke like how much it costs and like I, I will I will I will I will tell you that my wife and I had a couple of conversations about whether or not we were going to go to the Kennedy Space Center um, especially after we found out how much it was going to cost because god dang that place that thing is expensive I was going to ask so, you, so, so did
2: you did you, you didn't have the experience of not knowing and then getting there and having the sticker shock there You caught, you were, you knew what you were getting into
0: Oh yeah, no. We we bought our tickets well in advance, and um, so one of the benefits to going to the Kennedy Space Center—not when we went, but one of the benefits can be—is the ability to watch a locket uh, a locket launch. A Everybody loves launch. locket launches. Yeah. I know that's what that's always been my thing. So you can actually watch a rocket launch from there if they happen to have one scheduled. Now we were originally going to go to Florida in June, like end of July, I think it was, and there actually was a rocket launch scheduled for while we were going to be there. So it killed me that we ended up not being able to go, and we ended up having you know going later in the. uh, in the year when there weren't any launches scheduled. But there is a calendar, like there's a a calendar of events, so you can try to like sync up your trip and like I, I want to say that you know obviously you can watch it from the Kennedy Space Center like you could just walk into the museum and you'll be able to see it because it's kind of an exploding rocket it's not like it's very subtle um, but they also have like separate like admissions and stuff like that where you can go and like sit in the bleachers that you see in like Apollo 13 <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that um, and actually we drove by those those bleachers and, 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 and the viewing areas for rocket launches uh, that was was part of a uh, of a bus tour so the Kennedy Space Center comes in like I would say like three main parts there's the first initial part where you've got like the Hall of Heroes and the and the uh, the uh, the Rocket Garden there's an IMAX feature there that we didn't have a chance to go see there's like a children's play area that my daughter wanted nothing to do with because I think she was tired
2: Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, how long had you been how long had you been in Florida by the time you went there
0: That was actually only day two. Oh, okay. Um, So, yeah, it it wasn't like we were, like, multi-days into Disney or anything like that. But um, And then, like, the second main part is, I don't know what they call it, but the Atlantis Space Shuttle, like, the actual Atlantis Space Shuttle, is housed in a building there that is on display. So, like, they actually have the Space Shuttle kind of canted over on the side so you can, like, look in (laughs) and see Mm -hmm. the cargo bay and um, stuff like that. So that's, like part number two and before you get to go see that there's like a whole like video uh movie presentation of like them developing the shuttle and how are we going to make this thing reusable that's insane and like (laughs) elon musk is just like giggling in the corner um (laughs) but uh and then there's a third part that you actually have to take a bus to um, they have the, shoot, it, the Saturn V rocket is on display there, and the Saturn V rocket is, uh, the main rocket booster that they use to, like, launch uh, definitely the Apollo missions. I don't know if they use Saturn V for the space shuttle missions as well. I no, because don't know that Saturn, off
2: the top of my head. Yeah, so the 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 space shuttle had the two separate, uh, boosters and the big fuel mm-hmm. tank in the center, so no. Now yeah, the, so. Saturn V was, they, a, was a big boy. I, was I, a big I, boy, a, mm-hmm. and they
0: have that on display on its side, and you can like walk underneath it and like see the sections mm-hmm. of it, and it's like, it's really cool. Um, the space and, shuttle, and,
2: if I remember, is also surprisingly big. If I remember, it's about the size of a DC nine. Uh, it
0: it is uh, it, it is mm-hmm. very large, and and then what's funny is like you when you watch. You know, when you watch space movies, right. you know, like when when people are like flying around the shuttle, you know, they've got the different sections and stuff like that. And it's like I, you know, when you when you walk in and you see the space shuttle there and you see like the cargo bay doors open, especially you're like, boy, their living quarters were not all that big. <laughs> like like I want to say it was I the the cockpit part is like twenty eight feet. Like, the top 28 feet of the shuttle. So, I, like, when you think about 28 feet, that's not a whole hell like of a lot of room. Square feet, right? I think at 20 feet from, like, tip of the nose to, like, where the cargo bay starts. Okay. So, and then there's, like, you know, obviously there's some, you know, there's some height there as well. But it's just, like, it was a surprisingly small amount of space to, like, put, like, four or five astronauts yeah, in there, I, you know?
2: I'd say they were hot bunking, to, to say the least. Yeah, probably.
0: I don't know what that means, but we'll go. That
2: means here. that you share. Uh, share. So like one person will like get that. up. It's what they do in submarines and and, and, yeah, and, and older we're... naval ships. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but anyway, so like all told, and then and then of course there's the NASA gift shop where I spent way too much money. And like basically the NASA gift shop has anything that has ever had NASA on it is in this gift shop. They've got huh. like. Uh, th- they've got like T-shirts and coffee mugs and drinking glasses and tumblers and shot glasses and every Lego set that's dedicated to space and posters and like my my daughter bought a stuffed Uranus uh, <laughs> thing there like a stuffed they have stuffed planets um, like must, stuffy planets
2: must not laugh.
0: Oh yeah, well, and and then and then for the re- for for the rest of the trip, she made me cuddle Uranus. Uh, but anyway, so like they and like they just had everything, and it was just like so like they had oven mitts. They I have a NASA oven mitt um, because I figured we needed enough mitt. Why not get a NASA oven mitt? And uh, they have uh, NASA burger flippers. I mean, it's like they just got everything. That's, Did you get like, astronaut ever. ice cream? I uh they did have astronaut ice cream we did not get any. It's um,
2: It's such a lie. They never actually went to space. It is pretty tasty though. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And oh, and actually when we when we came in, I think we actually had to pay for parking now that I think about it. But when we came in, they gave us a postcard that had actually been in space. Oh, how cool. So like, and I mean, it's it's cool. They give it to everybody, but still, uh, it's not like they said, "Here's a special guy on your birthday." Here's a postcard. No, it's just like a general. I'd postcard. hope they'd they give you
2: a piece of cardstock for fifty-seven dollars per person,
0: plus parking. Plus parking. Um, but anyway, so like, uh, so yeah, like I would say the highlight of the trip for me was the um, was this was the space shuttle you know just seeing that that thing like just in in the room and they had like a they actually had like a miniature like space station there where like kids could crawl through and you can like get an idea of like what it's like to like crawl through the tunnels on the uh, hmm. on in on the space station and so yeah it was I mean just overall it, w- it was a cool place we only saw about 50 percent of it before we had to go but i figured that's actually okay because you know now we have something to go back for
2: probably a lot like this the Smithsonian if you if you haven't been i mean it's it's impossible to cover even a couple of them in a day really thoroughly it's just you kind of get what you get out of it like like you're saying that it gives you something to to go back to so yeah would you would you do it again would you uh, it sounds like oh absolutely yeah,
0: absolutely. I would definitely go again because, like like I said, there's a lot of stuff we didn't do. There was, like, movies there that we didn't mm-hmm. go see, like IMAX movies. I took a selfie with an astronaut. Nice. So that was fun. Like, not not a, not a real astronaut, like somebody dressed up as an astronaut. But, but they do actually have, like, meet and greets with, like, real astronauts mm-hmm. there every now and then. Um, I don't think they're doing that now because of COVID. Um, but one of the cool things was on the bus tour – that they give you in between the Kennedy Space Center and, like, where they have the Saturn V, is uh, you drive past the gigantic building where they build all their spaceships. Like, and they they gave statistics. I mean, you know, there's there's an American flag on the side of the f- building. Oh, And yeah, I want to say, like, it's all each big star is, basically. like yeah like each star is like six feet in six feet wide, and I think they said like the blue field was like the size of a football field. <laughs> they said it was the tallest single story building in the world um <laughs> and one of the largest single story buildings in the world by volume um there's seven doors that like open vertically to like allow the thing to come and they talked about like the tractor that they use to take the spaceships over to the launch I was gonna pad. ask if
2: you got to see that that big flat moving platform with the, tra- with the tracks it's really cool yeah
0: We did see, I mean, we drove by it. We didn't, like, stop and, like, you know, point at it. Oh, Mm. look at that. Um, But we, but you know, we did drive by it, like, on the way to the Saturn V. And they had, um, like, at the Saturn V area, they had a garden um, with uh, plaques dedicated to every Apollo mission. Hmm. Uh, It was just, like, I mean, really, what it boils down I, I can't. Describe <laughs> all of this in in twenty minutes. Like even the parts that that we did, like just you know, we did only did about half of it, and I it's hard to even describe that in like the twenty minutes that we have to talk about it.
2: But, you know, one thing I was thinking about really quickly is just the fact that you and yeah. I grew up in a really cool time as far as um, space was concerned, because mm-hmm. we we really grew up in like the heyday of the space shuttle, and and oh totally. Through you know through and like space movies and all that kind of stuff as far as dedicated to NASA kind of stuff like like space camp like stuff like mm-hmm. that I actually used to go to Huntsville, Alabama, space where, the, camp. where the real space camp is and actually saw kids doing it. It was it was a lot of fun. I don't think Huntsville's um, uh, museum and interactive stuff probably compares to to Cape Canaveral, though. I'm sure that's on a whole nother level.
0: Yeah, but I mean like Huntsville is actually, you know, a major place for like mm-hmm. the space program and, and, and whatnot. Like you don't think like some some town in the middle of Alabama is gonna be like, you know, one of the pioneers of the space industry, but there we go. Um I w I actually would like to visit Huntsville one of these days. So maybe I'll add that to the uh to the old bucket list. But uh, <laughs> It's
2: the only reason uh, you're gonna go to Alabama except maybe for the beach. <laughs> the right, reason. exactly.
0: Uh, but then, but you know, they also have um, they also have like a uh, space camp like mm-hmm. experiences there where you can like it, it's extra, like you have to, like, I, th- I want to say they have like space classes. I didn't really look too much into it because we were only going to be there for like a day, but um, they, but they have like you know space experiences. Uh, one of the things in the shuttle building is they have like a simulator where you can land the mm-hmm. shuttle. Which was kind of cool, and I'd been doing a lot of Microsoft Flight Simulator, leading up to that. So long. I'm just gonna say, I was pretty good.
2: were <laughs> boning um, up in preparation, huh?
0: I was, I was boning up, yeah. So, but you get to, uh, you know, do launch the, and you could do a simulation of like docking with the space station. It's really, it's really, I mean, it's really cool. And like, I'm the type of person that doesn't generally like museums, like. It's just like, oh, there's some old stuff here with some labels on it. That's nice. But, like, just some – like, we went to – when we went to Washington, D.C. a few years ago, we went to – like, you were talking about the Smithsonian. We went to the Museum of Contemporary History, I think it was. And, like, you know, there was – like the way it was laid out was really interesting to me like as as not being a museum person that held my interest same thing with the nasa uh, with with cape canaveral with the kennedy space center there was a lot there that was like very interesting to me they had like um like almost like holograms of like old astronauts giving talks, and um, one of the things that we went through in order to see the Saturn V rocket was um, the the um, they brought over and recreated basically the launch center for the original launch center that was in place for the Apollo what was it nine, I think that for the moon landing. Um but they uh they had the launch center there with like all the different chairs and all the ashtrays for all the different engineers that were that were sitting there. And it was like the actual stuff and you kinda like watched a uh, you watched uh like a, a movie um, showing the launch like this the countdown sequence the actual launch the separation sequences and like as each engineer would speak up like their place in the in the launch room would light up so that was kind of neat um so uh, so yeah i mean like and they they put together like a lot of these demonstrations that you would have to go through before you got to like the main event basically but even those were like well produced and well done so that was uh that was kind of nice so I guess since this is a review of the Kennedy Space Center, we should probably wrap things up by giving it a recommendation. Did you have any other questions? Well, for, I, uh,
2: for me? I was just sitting here thinking. You know, that's one thing we, we haven't really established. I, it's something I guess we really don't do. But how do we how do we rate things? Like, do we give it stars? Do we give it? Do we get give it NASA hats? Like, what do we give?
0: Yeah, well we can we can give this one some NASA hats. Okay, first of all, like just to summarize, it's expensive. It's mm-hmm. honestly probably too expensive, but I think it's just expensive enough for people like me who geek out on this stuff. It's not exp- it's way too expensive for people like my wife and kids who are just like, "Dad, can we go?" You know? <laughs> so like I, so, like for for someone like me, I would I would ha- I would easily pay you know another right, fifty seven dollars right. to go. That's that's not even a question. I would spend a whole day there, just geeking out and like taking in the stuff that I missed the last time. Um, but um, in general, like it, it's it's too expensive. So that's that's a fairly easy call. It sounds like you but just like, need
2: to need to send the kids off to like Universal Studios, and you just need to go by yourself.
0: Or something, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, maybe, maybe something like that. But um, what they do have there is, you know, very significant when it comes to, you know, like you know, historical perspective. They got all the different rockets. They've got movies that show you like the development of like all this, you know, space technology and they've got, you know, uh video presentations and they've got holograms and they've got like original artifacts. Like they've got it all laid out in a very nice way. They have um a replica of the Hubble te- Space Telescope there um they've got um they have and i don't know if this is an original or a replica i have to think it's a replica but they have like some kind of like mars vehicle Hmm. that like is well, they're definitely be not like... getting it
2: back so
0: it's right not it... well no but it it's probably like, this is, is the...
2: a replica like you're saying they were saying testament. something
0: like this is the vehicle that we're gonna take with us to Mars and we're just like well that can't be it because <laughs> you can let pe- you're letting people touch that so like that that that's can't possibly be it a- but I mean like they've got stuff like that They've got you know exhibits that are just like very you know comprehensive. I want to say they had a recreation of the uh, of the uh, soundstage where they faked the Apollo moon landing, which was really cool. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so like it's it if you're a space nerd, then the Kennedy Space Center is definitely worth a visit, and it's worth the price of admission. If you can possibly leave your family at home who doesn't care as much about space, that's probably better. Uh, but um, but kind overall, of, I, I, I'd have to say I'm pretty sad. Kind of
2: sounds like, like me and uh, when, I, when my, I drag my wife and my kid into Best Buy. Okay. And, and, <laughs> and I'm like the kid in the candy store the whole time. And it's not even my daughter. My, my wife's going, can we go now? Stop asking me if you can help me. I don't need any help. I don't know what any of this stuff is. I don't the like anything in here. Is, Can I stay in the car?
0: The only difference is it doesn't cost you $110 to go to Best Buy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I just go there and spend money. I don't need to spend.
0: But no, like, no, I'm, I mean, my wife did enjoy it, like, to a certain extent. But by far, I was the target audience there. So, um, but, you know, like I said, for me, it was totally worth it. You know, But you're right. I should probably send the kids to, like, Universal Studios or something next time. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, they were like hey, it was cool, but yeah. Also, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, that's that's kind of my review.
2: <laughs> I, I can't wait until the official benefit of the Dowd Museum opens. I know lots of people are going to be interested in that, and I will yeah. be charging a lot of money for the. Oh museum. yeah,
0: I'm I'm thinking at least at least fifty seven dollars. Yes, exactly, absolutely, absolutely, or okay. whatever.
2: Well, that whatever financial <laughs> uh, two bitcoins. <laughs>
0: Two, yeah, two bitcoins for admission and in the year exactly. 2102 uh, is when the official benefit of a down cosmic built.
2: overlords have declared bitcoin and, the currency of the world
0: and you know what my NASA hat will be there yes so that's going to do it for this podcast and this review of the Kennedy Space Center I'd like to thank Cliff for coming along and chatting with me about it even though he's never actually been there. Please consider subscribing to this podcast if you liked it and if you really liked it, go ahead and leave us a review and you can do that by visiting ratethispodcast.com slash benefit. Once again that's ratethispodcast.com slash benefit. I'd like to thank Cliff also for all of his help behind the scenes, but most of all and as always, I'd like to thank you all for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt.